I think our power definitely lies in that space where we take a little breath and we hold for just a moment to organize, think, and then form a response. Welcome everyone. In case you are new to the podcast, I would like to take a moment to introduce myself and why I decided as a busy working mom to find the time to put this together. When I was in my late 30s, after working as a surgical physician assistant for about 13 years, I found myself severely burned out. This affected my relationships, my work, my mental, and ultimately my physical health. I felt like I didn't have time to breathe, let alone the time to find the resources to help me out of my burnout cycle. I did find a way out that has led me to a more fulfilled and joyful life. I would like to be a resource for you to do the same. I will walk you through simple steps to integrate into your busy day to help you move out of the burnout cycle. Even if you feel like you don't have time to breathe, you can do this. If I can do it, literally anybody can. Please note, because I am nowhere near perfect, I may slip up and use an occasional minor curse word for emphasis or due to raw emotion. Please be aware. Thank you so much for being here. Let's break the burnout cycle together. Hey everyone, welcome back. So this week on the podcast, I wanted to talk about our words and thoughts. So this was something that really helped me in the beginning when a few books I read talked about this and really brought my attention towards my words and my thoughts. So let's start with words first. So I heard this somewhere and I've used it with my daughters because I think it is so appropriate for words that words are like toothpaste. Once they're out, it's very difficult to get them back in. And I would say nearly impossible to get them back in the tube. When I talk about this with my daughters, because, you know, they were in elementary school, middle school, and now in high school, I really ask them to think about what they say before they say it. And is it kind? You know, is it constructive? Is it going to help the situation? Because I want them to have those tools as they grow. And although I was an adult for many years, I don't think I had the tools. I understood that words could hurt or words could be detrimental to a situation. And I think I was very good at holding back words that may have been harsh or critical, at least sometimes, but definitely not all the time. And definitely not with the people closest to me. It seemed like I would hold back at work, but I may not hold back as much at home with my children and or my husband. They seem to get the worst of my words because it's almost like you get this familiarity and you have this relationship with them that you think they can take it or that you're allowed to do that because they're your family. But really, we have to watch our words all the time and be respectful of everybody. So when these books brought my attention to words, they specifically pointed out words that they wanted the readers to change. One book talked about when we say, oh, I'm facing these problems. It said, change the word problems to challenges because it will change how your brain looks at that. 
your brain looks at a problem versus versus a challenge or obstacle differently. A challenge or an obstacle can make it seem like there are possibilities and answers that are going to help you solve that challenge or obstacle or be able to overcome that. Whereas when you have a problem, I think at least my brain felt like it could be hard to find the solution to that. Whereas I feel like if I have a challenge, it just makes me feel like I want to rise to the challenge. I would, that, that term always comes to my head. I want to rise to this challenge. So that was one of the first things I did. The other thing that a book talked about was it said, take can't out of your vocabulary. Because unless you're trying to like lift a car, most of the times you can do something. Meaning if somebody's like, hey, why can't you come to these five meetings? Well, I can't. Well, you you actually probably could, but you don't want to make the time for them or you just plain don't want to be there or you aren't willing to spend the time there. So now I've changed my language around I can't because a lot of times I can do things. I could make the time for them. I could do those things, but I don't want to for one reason or another. And when I say yes to something, I also am very cognizant that I'm saying no to something else. So as I add things to my schedule, I know that I'm saying no to something else in my schedule, whether that be sitting and relaxing, whether that be exercising, whether that be spending time with my children, whether that be taking more time to make dinner, whatever that is, I'm saying no to it if I'm adding more things to my schedule. And so I oftentimes have really looked hard at saying I can do that or can't do that. One of the books I read said, replace the word try. And I always think about emails where I'll say, I will try to do that. Well, I might, but I oftentimes now press backspace, 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 and delete the word try and replace try with what I will or will not do. And so instead of saying, I'll try to set up a CT scan before surgery, I say, I will set up a CT scan and then see when we can schedule surgery around that. I specifically say what I can do and not what I'm going to try to do. So I've I've taken that out of my vocabulary. And one thing that I want you to completely take out of your vocabulary is the word should, because shoulds, at least for me, got me into trouble. I should be further in my career. I should be a better mom. I should be a better PA. I should have nicer things. I should have blonder hair. I should have better eyebrows. I mean, whatever it is, I've taken should out of my vocabulary, because as soon as I start with the shoulds, it starts making me feel bad about myself. I should take more vacations. I should spend more time with my kid. I have literally, as soon as I start in with the shoulds, I know that I'm getting into a bad headspace and it signals me to take a step back and stop the shoulds. The other thing that I wanna say about words, and this goes with our thoughts also, is that there is a really, really great quote that comes from Viktor Frankl that says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. I'm going to say that again. Between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. 
I like that for our words, because if we take the time to stop and think before we respond, we can choose our words wisely and really make an impact with our words and the words that we choose. If we don't take that space, a lot of times we're using reactive words and not choosing our words carefully because we aren't even taking the time to make a choice. Words are falling out of our mouth, just like the tube of toothpaste, and we can't put them back in. I think our power definitely lies in that space where we take a little breath and we hold for just a moment to organize, think, and then form a response. And I think this is a nice segue into our thoughts because our thoughts follow our words. And since I've been doing all this, or since I've been on my well-being journey, I've heard a lot about the law of attraction. And, you know, basically there is no scientific evidence for the law of attraction, but I can tell you that in my life, I think it does do something and maybe it just changes the wiring of your brain. I don't know, but if you haven't heard of it, the law of attraction basically states that if you're thinking negative things, you're going to attract more negative things. If you're thinking positive things, you're going to attract more positive things. The thought process for the law of attraction comes from we don't know where our consciousness comes from. Like if you ask a neuroscientist or a neuroanatomist and said, where is our consciousness in our brain? They can't point to where it is. It's one of these mysteries as to, you know, where does our consciousness come from? And is it kind of this energy that we have that leaves our body when we pass away? And so if consciousness is energy, just like everything is, right? Everything is atoms and subatomic particles that are electrons that are vibrating in our body and in the surrounding mass around us, whether that's solid, liquid, gas, any of that, that's all energy. And we cannot create or destroy energy. That's a law of physics. And so what's really interesting to me is that, you know, if everything is energy and energy can attract or repel other energy, I think there is a shred of thought that if you're putting good energy out to the universe, that you can attract good energy back. And I have seen this with my daughter. So, you know, I'll be in a perfectly good mood. And she's 13. She comes downstairs and she is in a bad mood. And I can tell you what, it can immediately put me in a bad mood if I am not very conscious about my energy and just saying like, her mood does not have to affect me, but it can very easily. And so when I think about these things, I know we don't have scientific data on this, but in my life, I have found these things to be true. Like you can tell when somebody enters a room, even if your back is turned, you can usually tell because you can sense them, whether it's their energy or, or what, but you can sense them. There's always those people that are the life of the party that have so much energy and just you like being around them. You're attracted to being around them because they have this energy. So I do think there's something to this. So when we talk about our thoughts, 
when attention was brought to my thoughts by the books that I was reading, it was really interesting on what I was thinking about and my self-critic. I didn't know my self-critic was there as much as it was. And so as I started drawing more attention to my thoughts and what they were, I was surprised at how much, number one, I beat myself up all the time, highly critical. I was spending a lot of energy on that. And then I was being highly critical of the people around me and spending a lot of time on that. I was spending a lot of time in having fake arguments in my head with people and things. I was spending a lot of time being really resentful. I was spending a lot of time angry. And I'm amazed that as I started changing my thoughts, and it's not an easy process because I feel like negative thought does beget negative thought. And I've seen this with myself and my daughters. You get into this negative thought pattern and it's very difficult to break out. I call it a tornado because it is very tough to break out of it and break that thought cycle. But as I did start changing my thoughts, instead of beating myself up and saying, I'm the worst mom ever, I should be doing this, I should be doing that, I started saying, I'm a very busy mom, I'm a full-time working mom, I have lots of things on my plate, and I, and I kept saying to myself, you're doing the best you can. And at first, you know, it was somewhat soothing, and now... I've gotten to a place where I don't say I'm doing the best I can. I mean, some days that is what I say to myself because I'm still just struggling and and just anything to help me through that day. But there are some days where I'm actually like, you know what, you're doing better than the best you can. You're being a good mom and you're stepping up to the plate and doing the hard things and being there. And so there are things I've started saying to myself that don't actually just help me get through the day, but help me help me actually lift myself up. Like I'm starting to be a cheerleader for myself every once in a while, which is like completely amazing to me because for 40 years of my life, I was my biggest critic. And I would say as far away from a cheerleader as you could get. My thoughts really matter. And what's really interesting to me is now I'm not getting so stuck in those tornadoes. I don't have them as often anymore. And I think when you stop having the pretend fights in your head and and don't have the anger and don't have those thoughts, it frees your mind to think about other things or even just be in the moment. And being in the moment and not thinking all of these negative thoughts has really helped me, number one, free up my time, but free up my mind I, you know, I listen to more podcasts. I'm way more present. I'm listening more. I'm actually listening to my children and what's going on in their life. And they're offering me these things. I don't have to pry it out of them. It's just amazing what can happen when you can free your mind from those detrimental thoughts and those negative thoughts that plagued me for years. And I'm not saying this is easy. But even if you can change that negative critical thought to something that's neutral, like I'm not bad, like I've had to tell myself, I don't know how many times that like, I'm not bad. I've literally had to tell my critic, I'm not bad. I'm not a bad person. 
that's where, you know, I kind of needed to start. And then I said, well, you're doing the best you can. And now I'm saying some days I'm like, man, you're rocking this thing. You know, not a lot of days, but there are days that I feel like I've gotten to a place where I can lift myself up instead of put myself down. And as I've changed my thoughts, beautiful and really honestly miraculous things have happened. You know, these were things, again, these small little things that I started to do. And part of it is just having awareness around your language and the words you're using. Are they harsh? Are they critical? Are they soft? Are they loving? Are they words that cheerleaders would use? Are they words that people that would love you and cherish you use? Start using words for yourself and other people that lift you up. Start thinking thoughts that lift you up. Like when you get into one of those tornadoes, think of something good. So I get really, this sounds really weird, but so we live in the South and in the South, every once in a while, you'll see these big cockroaches and they're like, they're like two inch cockroaches and they fly. They're called palmetto bugs. They are the biggest, ugliest things. And I am deathly afraid of them. And they don't hurt you. They don't bite you. They don't sting you. They don't do anything. I should not be afraid of these at all whatsoever. They cannot harm my physical body. And yet I become paralyzed with fear when one of these is seen, even if I don't see it in my house. And, you know, we've got a bug guy and I call them out and they they come and they spray. But literally, when it got really dry here, they tend to come in and they look for water. And so you tend to see them in the bathroom. So in the middle of the night, when I go to the bathroom, I get like literally paralyzed with fear that I'm going to see one of these things because they come out at night. And so the past week when I went into the bathroom and I started thinking, oh my God, am I going to see a cockroach? Am I going to see a cockroach? Because I know about the law of attraction and I'm like, I'm not trying to attract cockroaches. I don't want to attract these. So I don't want to think about them. So I started thinking about puppies because it was the easiest thing I could grasp for. I love puppies. They are the cutest things ever. They make me feel good. I just would picture them licking my feet or like biting on things. And and I just pictured puppies instead of picturing cockroaches. I know it sounds silly, but it got my brain off the cockroach thing, gave me enough courage to walk into the bathroom, to go to the bathroom at night and then walk out. You know, these are the things that I've had to do just to kind of get through these, you know, these little hurdles or challenges that you have from your brain. Anyway, I hope this helps. I always hope this helps. And start having an awareness around your words. Number one, what you're using with other people, but number two, what you're using with yourself. And have an awareness of your thoughts. What are you getting stuck in? What do you continue to think of? And what's the easiest thing for you to reach for that's going to break you out of that? For me, recently, puppies. Just had to think about puppies. But it can be whatever makes you feel good or takes your brain and really makes it happy and light up. I mean, who doesn't love puppies or kittens or birds or whatever it is? Something that's easy for you to think about that you can actually picture very easily in your brain and really helps you break that cycle of what you're thinking. All right, y'all. I love you so much. Thank you for taking the time for you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Thank you for taking the time to bring awareness to your words and thoughts so that you can break out of 
the cycle that you're in that may not be helping you and maybe that you weren't aware of. All right, I'll see you next week. If you're really enjoying this podcast, head on over to Apple and give me a rating and review. And also click that follow button so that you know when the next podcast comes out. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time. The information, opinion, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in the podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast is not to be considered professional advice. Before starting any change in physical, mental, or dietary practice, you should consult your medical provider.